Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for another week. Now, this week, I've got a special guest for you. I'm bringing on, I've been on his show recently, and I really had a good time doing his show. We're going to have a good time today. I'm bringing on Bill Monacero. He is the host and the top dog. Notice the top dog, not the only dog, <laughs> of the Old Dogs REI Network. It's a blog and a weekly podcast for people over 50 who are using real estate investing as a means to fund their retirement years and create a legacy for their children and grandchildren. Bill, welcome to the show. Well, it is a blast to be here, Tyler. Good to talk to you again. Finally, I get somebody on here that can talk about real estate investing for old people. Usually, I bring Larry Harbolt on, but lately, as he gets older, he falls asleep halfway through the episode. I got to keep poking him, wake him up, right? <laughs> I promise I won't do that too. Right. There you Try go. Try not to drool on the mic. If, Larry, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. Don't hit me. <laughs> Larry, Larry's a pretty, pretty big guy with a short temper. Just kidding. But anyway, so welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be here. We were talking before we hit record. You got kicked off in 2014 in investing. That's when I came back into the business after a five-year hiatus. You've accomplished quite a bit. And I was looking here at your, uh, your information. You got a pretty healthy goal. I'm impressed. Uh, goal is a thousand units or a thousand doors in less than six years. That's yep. pretty impressive. That's Why a thousand? Why does that number matter? Well, you know, it, uh, it, it happens because when I, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't need a thousand units, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm retired basically. And I, uh, I don't have a lot of needs, but, uh, we have a nonprofit organization in Haiti. In fact, that's where I, was prior to coming back to the States here and, and uh, going into this real estate thing. And so we lived there for about 12 years in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, uh, working with the uh, street kids, abandoned, orphaned uh, children. And, uh, and so we're trying to raise funds, you know, as, as a means to be able to help uh, support the activity that we're doing there in, in addition to our own retirement. But uh, uh, that's, that's why we're, we're going for such an aggressive goal. I, it's a, uh, uh, I, you know, I interview guys like you do all the time and, uh, I've seen so many folks that have done it. Uh, I've seen guys that have done it, you know, a thousand a year. And, uh, I thought, well, gosh, you know, I, I gotta be able to do, you know, a thousand and six years. It seems right. reasonable. So, uh, I'm on my track. I'm a little behind, uh, but we're, we're, we're moving forward man. we're moving forward and, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, it's good to set your goals high. You know, that's what I say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that actually. Now, what I like about what you're doing is you've taken real estate investing, you've drilled it down to a niche, kind of like with my podcast. It's about cash flow. I don't talk about flipping houses unless I'm making fun of people. And <laughs> I, I don't get, uh, get into all that get rich quick garbage. I'm focused on buy and hold. 
you're focused on investing for folks over 50. Now, any particular reason besides the fact that I assume you're over 50? <laughs> <laughs> well, your assumption is right there. Yeah, um, I am over 50. In fact, I'm 62 and uh, coming up on 63 here. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I, a part of what happened with me is uh, I was I was in Haiti at the time, and uh, I was uh, we knew you know it was kind of the end of our our time there. We were we we're both getting older. My wife and I we have uh, kids that came over with us that have grown up and started moving back to the states. We've got grandkids, and uh, you know we're just really trying to assess you know should we stay, should we go, and uh, we came back for a one year sabbatical and uh, to really kind of assess what we should be doing, right. and uh, we uh, in that process, um, I'll, I, you know, there are a lot of thoughts that went through my head. I'm going, you know, I'm retiring. This is, uh, this is kind of unusual for me because I have always worked, you know, for a long time since I was, you know, 12 years old, I had a right. job. And so I, I'm looking, gosh, you know, can I just stop? What am I going to do? You know, collect sea sales? And, you know, and uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I just, uh, I'm a guy who loves to do things. I love to, to move forward and, and we still have our, uh, nonprofit in Haiti. And so you know, I'm just kind of going back and forth. And I, and uh, I started looking at what were my options out there. And, uh, you know, at that time I was approaching 60. I'm going, oh man, what, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to walk around with a resume, uh, you know, 60 years old, uh, trying to get, you know, I think the only place I'm going to get a job is to put on a blue vest and hand out <laughs> shopping carts at Walmart, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just ain't going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'd started businesses before. I figured, well, you know, maybe something a little more entrepreneurial. And, uh, and this unexpected uh, check came in the mail uh, for, uh, uh, out of inheritance. And, uh, I was, I was looking at what am I going to do with this? And I already was vested in the stock market in fact, more than I wanted to be. And I didn't want to put any more in there. And, uh, I just thought maybe I'll diversify. So I'm looking at all these options, decided to just buy some, some rental properties just to diversify, diversify, <laughs> to try that, say that five times real, right. Say that fast. <laughs> diversify my portfolio. So I, uh, I, I researched it, you know, read some books. I got kind of pumped up on, you know, investing in real estate, uh, hopped on a plane, flew to Atlanta and Memphis, uh, came back home. I had three rental properties, two single family and, and one duplex. And, uh, and the next month, you know, I look at my checking account and boom, income is coming in, you know, from these, uh, these rental units. And I'm going, wow, this is pretty sweet. And uh, in the meantime, I'm trying these, I'm trying online businesses. I'm looking at all these opportunities and ways that I can go in my retirement years. And, and I said, gee, this is right in front of my nose here. Maybe I should look more into real estate investing. And so as I started getting into it, um, I had a lot of other fellow old dogs, friends and, and family members and others. And they were kind of real interested in my journey and what I'd done and, and how I got these places and that I'd purchased and and it just kind of evolved into uh, actually you know I was emailing a lot of people telling them what I'm doing and some were taking it on themselves to start investing and uh, then it it got too much to email so I, I said well I'm just going to do a blog and, and I'm going to kind of journey everything on the blog and then the next thing you know you know I've got a podcast and so um, what as I the more I got out there with the word about what I was doing, the more people started to emerge that were in this dilemma. Uh, some were approaching retirement, and some were already in retirement, and they're 
you know, they're looking at the numbers and they're saying, gee, either my funds are not going to last or I'm going to have a real tight retirement and I'm not going to be able to do the things I always dreamed of doing in my retirement, like traveling with my wife and, you know, flying out and spending time with the kids and doing all these different things. So uh, a lot of people took interest in what I was doing. Some people just needed an extra, you know, $500 or $1,000 a month, you know, to, to their budget, just, you know, just cash flow. Um, other people were, you know, were looking for a more significant uh, amount. Some were, you know, had funds that they had invested and they were concerned that they weren't getting the returns that they wanted. And they thought, well, real estate, uh, it seems to have some more promising returns on my investment. So uh, there are people that just want to be passive investors and invest in, in projects and uh, apartments and things of that nature that we're getting involved with. And so, so there, there's just a whole cross section of individuals there that were in those years, that 50 plus that have found real estate to be uh, a means to be able to, to make that difference in their retirement years. And, uh, and some of them are just going gangbusters. You know, there's, there's some folks that uh, have listened to the show and uh, one guy, uh, he's a policeman up in Seattle, a Lieutenant up there. And uh, his first uh, uh, rental property was a, an apartment building that he, I think it was like a, a 20 some odd unit uh, apartment building that he purchased. And so it's, you know, there's a lot of people that are getting, that are seeing that this is something you, you don't have to have special training necessarily. You do need an education. You need to know right. what you're doing, but you don't have to go to school, get some degree or something. You don't even have to get a, a you know, an, a, a license uh, to do this. Anyone can learn it and do it. And the, the ramp up time and the, is, is, it's pretty short and you can start buying investment properties, you know, right away if you want to. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting strategic about it. I think you need a little bit more education, but uh, that's, that's, that's how it happened. And that's really how that group emerged. I mean, I've talked to some people that were, had their pension funds in 2008, you know, just disappear and uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're trying to build things from scratch. And, um, and then there's others that, uh, you know, that have, done really well. They've, they've been able to put their money away, but now they're just concerned of getting the returns and the longevity of how long their, their little nest egg is going to last them. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the a long explanation for a short answer. Well, what I've seen, and I just read this I believe a week or two ago, less than 5%. And this is a study they did a while back, less than 5% of Americans are, are technically over the age of 50 are prepared for retirement less than 5%. Yeah. And that's, that's mind blowing to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually kind of scary. And, and that was part of the motivation. Uh, I actually read a story actually in the LA times about this lady who was in her eighties and her husband had passed away. And, and when he passed away, he had a small little, you know, amount of money that she, he left to her. She bought a, an RV, and uh, she basically just moved into the RV. They sold, she sold what they had. They had a tiny house that they were, you know, she was able to get some cash out of, bought this RV and was basically just going to live in that uh, for the rest of her, you know, her years. And, uh, you know, she started running out of money. And so she started to have to find work. And so what she ended up doing is getting on the carnival circuit. 
And she basically travels all around the U.S. from carnival to carnival because they're the only ones that will hire somebody in their 80s. Um, to you know, to work the carnivals, and she gets enough money to be able to get gas and cover her her insurance and what have you to go to the next gig and to do the next gig. Oh, and, you know, and, you know, it was just breaking my heart. You know, and she's got medical issues, but she doesn't have enough money to take care of those things. I was thinking, gosh, you know, a lady like this, if she, she could get into a you know in, into a property and get started, uh, even you know a no money down or a lease option type deal or something, just to get going. And to get some income generated, uh, what an advantage it'd be for her. I mean, she could, uh, you know, settle down and, but, you know, she had trouble with her RV repairs that she couldn't afford to do and all these things. And it just broke my heart. And, and as I talked to more people, there are a lot of, lot of stories out there that just would break your heart. And uh, so, you know, I, I kind of consider this, you know, just a, uh, you know, a mission for me. I, I'm not, I'm not making any money off of it. I don't, uh, you know, I don't charge for any kind of, there's no upsell here, you know. I just, I just tell what I can. I, I, you know, I share my story. I have great guests that come on, people like yourself that uh, provide wonderful information for folks to be able to move forward in their real estate investing, and, and that's it. You know, that's that's what I've latched onto and why. So, Bill, what do you say to the? Because I hear this a lot. When I, I, I learned how to negotiate from one of my mentors, Larry Harbold, and he's a what you call a kitchen table guy. So he believes, and he taught me, and this is what I do to this day. I like to be knee to knee, face to face with the people and have a conversation. I don't care if it's a, a 30 unit apartment building or, or a single family house. I like to have that dialogue. And I do talk to and I work with a lot of older folks. One of the things that I hear a lot is the resistance to taking terms for their property because they, they're at retirement age and they feel that they need a lump sum of cash versus a stream of income. Any thoughts on that? Because I, and the reason I ask, Bill, is I, a lot of, seniors, people in their, in their nearing retirement years, tend to shy away from real estate unless they can get quick, what they identify as quick returns, like from flipping houses, things like that. So what do you say to somebody that's in their 50s, not quite prepared for retirement? Which way do they, should they go? Should they be maybe a hard money lender or should they lean towards with the buy and hold model? Because they're, you know, the rejection there is, is that it's not fast enough for me. What do you say to that? Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest thing that I deal with every day and and talking to the folks that I do and and you may encounter this as well. It sounds like uh is that it's just that that whole f word, the uh, the fear factor. Um, you know, they're they're concerned. I mean, there are they are very concerned and, and rightly so because you know, they hear rumors social security is going away, they um, you know, they see prices going up, uh inflation, all these factors are, are just hammering on them and, you know, they're not getting any healthier necessarily. And so, you know, they've got that, the medical expenses. So there is, there's a great deal of fear. So those that have some funds are really, really uh, concerned about what they do with it. And, and I, and I understand that. I completely understand that because that's your, <laughs> that, you know, that's their security that uh, they're holding on to for their future. And so, you know, to take, um, some money out of that. For example, what some people do is is they'll do a cash out refire or, uh, you know, against their home, um, and they'll use those funds to invest them. For example, um, some people will move their IRA into a self directed IRA, and so they'll they'll do other avenues to to purchase uh, properties. But 
there, you know, there, there is a, there's a good reason for the, for the, the fear that they have. And, and that uh, unfortunately is the thing that kind of holds people back from, from being able to move ahead and solve that issue too. So it's, you know, I could, I could probably do a podcast every week on, on why, you know, uh, why you shouldn't be afraid to, to take a step ahead. And, uh, you know, again, you want to educate yourself and you want to be able to make a smart decision to move forward. But some of these people have already lost money in, in, in 2008, whether it's with a home or, or a pension or something along those lines. Um, so they, they're, they're concerned that what they have, they want to hold on to and they're afraid of anything that's, uh, uh, you know, the, the idea of, you know, we're, that, that there isn't enough time. I understand that too. I mean, that's why I, I set a goal for six years because I, I don't want to be 90 years old and still, you know, searching for properties. I want to be able to, you know, have my income uh, stream continue uh, into my 90s if I make it so far. You know, that that to me is is the concern is we don't have the same time frame that a guy is in or a young couple starting in their 20s or 30s has. We really want to be able to get something to happen quickly, and and that's what and that's what hit me about uh, real estate when I first did it. I, I did it with a turnkey. I'm not a big fan of turnkey properties now, but um, with a turnkey, uh, you know, I went and I bought the property, and the next month I had income, basically money in the mailbox. So it, it can happen quicker than you think. Uh, it doesn't have to be a long term. Uh, event, you know, that you're just constantly buying properties over time. You, you, it, it depends on how you buy and what you buy. For you though, you had said a very important thing. You said you choose buy and hold. Yes. Uh, over being a lender. What made you decide to be a buy and hold person versus looking for the quick fix, so to speak? Well, the, there, there are a lot of factors, but um, I, I would say one of which it's it's the simple thing. <laughs> yeah, buy and hold for me is I'm used to it. I bought a house. I know what it means to buy a home. I understand signing escrow papers. I understand going through the process of buying a home. So it's something I already know how to do. But what's really nice about it is the advantages that come with it. Uh, if I buy a property and I and Typically, when I buy a property, I will do things to improve that property. I don't like any major construction, but I'll I'll rehab it so that it would warrant uh, increased rents, for example, and uh, that it would be a nicer property. I would like to do the kinds of improvements that uh, the people living in that in that unit or in that property would appreciate and value, and hopefully want to stay for a long time. So I. I Everything I invest into that is tax deductible. Uh, the appreciation, um, you know, that that I have, I, I can depreciate it and uh, and and get more tax savings. I I can, um, the, I mean, the, the first year that I started doing this, I didn't have to pay any taxes, and That's I'm going. Beautiful. This is really nice. Okay, so I've got this income coming in. I, I don't have to pay tax on it. If you have a self-directed IRA, you know the funds go right back into your IRA, and you can control it even more and only take out what you need when you need it. If you're 59 and a half, if you're at, you know at this distribution age, you don't get penalized, and you you know you can just keep pouring the earnings into that uh, self-directed 401k or IRA, and it you know, you've got additional advantage. I mean, there's just a, a lot of great advantages to buy and hold. And, but the thing I love is this, just the stream of income. 
you've got this continuous money coming in. So those that were used to having a job where they get a paycheck every, you know, two, twice a month or every other, you know, week or whatever, they're still going to do that. You're going to get money in on a regular basis. Uh, and you want it. And, and that's, what's nice about it. You have funds in your account. You can do the things you want to do. And uh, in addition to that, and this is the, the, the cherry on top of the pie here is you buy right and you buy in the right markets, you're going to have equity. Yes. And and there's going to be equity probably anywhere you buy, unless you're really buying in bad areas. Um, there's going to be equity, but if you buy in a in an emerging market, you, know, you could see that that property value go up. I I bought a a duplex in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, it was the uh, it was in 2015. I paid around fifty thousand for this property. Um, I love it. I paid fifty thousand, and uh, at that time I was getting uh, five fifty aside. Now I'm I'm at six fifty aside. I could probably get seven fifty aside, but I I've got some great tenants, and I don't want to just keep jacking the rents up. But so I'm making you know thirteen hundred a month, okay. And the property now has been uh, assessed at one hundred and fifty thousand. So. In one year, and now granted, this is not going to happen everywhere. I just happened to buy in one of these great little areas near downtown that's booming, and uh, I, but but you know I I made a hundred thousand dollars on this if you just look at the equity alone, and I wasn't buying it necessarily for the equity play. I was just wow. looking for cash flow, so that's why I buy <laughs> buy and hold. That's why I don't I don't understand why anybody would buy anything but buy and hold. Oh man, that's a good point because yeah, because my. Ironically, you say that hundred thousand it went up in a duplex. My fourplex went up two hundred thousand, so that makes about sense. It's like, <laughs> yeah, really. I, went, I, mean, <laughs> I, I can't do better doing anything else unless I was maybe selling drugs. But <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you don't you don't want to do that again. No, you know? no I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not again. Never ever. <laughs> just yeah. one more law enforcement. He didn't really do it. Okay? <laughs> just anyone listening. Okay. I, they know I'm an ex cop, so they know better. <laughs> And I wasn't one of those 75th precinct cops in New York. City. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They got, the, they got the law enforcement and, and the felonies, all the same thing. Great. Uh, uh, ignorance, right? Yeah, still in the cash flow business. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just in a different way. But, but seriously, you're right. And, and it scares me. I, and I see this a lot. I see people just clutching on to these, a, a pile of money, even if it's a small pile. And they're not turning that into leverage streams of income. And that's why in the beginning of my show, it says leverage streams of income. Meaning yeah. using that leverage, which I know you use leverage, correct? I, I certainly do. Yeah. And I've been doing that since, since day one. Um, I, I, you know, the first properties I bought, about three properties I paid all cash for. And then I uh, did a cash out refi on those properties to get the down payment to buy a 22 unit. And I'm doing doing the same thing with the 22 unit to leverage to buy the 100 unit. Uh, so it's, it yeah, it, the leverage part is is beautiful. And, and it's one another aspect I didn't mention on the buy and hold, which is really great. For those of us that have kids, uh, grandkids, it's that legacy that you can hand down to them, which is really, really neat. Um, to be able to know that you've got something when you're gone that you can hand over to your kids. Hopefully they'll continue, <clears throat> you know, operating it and keep the funds going. Um, but if not, they can sell it and they've got something, you've got something you, to leave to them that's going to have value. And uh, uh, I'm trying to teach my kids about the real estate investing. I'm hoping that they're going to be able to, to get it. Uh, you know, they're all, they've all read, you know, Kiyosaki's books and, right. and 
they, you know, they, they understand that uh, this is a, uh, a real asset is something that uh, generates cash flow for you. And so if they get that, then boom, they'll move into these properties and be able to uh, have, have a steady stream of income coming in so they can do the things that they really love to do. So, and that's one of the things I've actually, I, I look at my daughters and go, now listen, I'm a lot of effort into putting these properties together. So <laughs> don't just sell them. Yeah, don't just, wait, can you just live off the income? You'll never have to work again when I die if you don't want to. So just live off the income, please. Yes. There's yes. management in place. You don't really have to do anything. I'm living proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, isn't that the truth? I'm yes. telling you, Tyler. I mean, what, what, is what could be any better than this? I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I have to be real careful because I don't want to be one of these guys that, you know, it's infallible. You know, you know I mean, I've, there's plenty of things that can go wrong and, and I've probably experienced most of them, but um, they, the overall, you look at it, this is a really amazing thing, this whole real estate investing and the buy and hold especially. Absolutely. And from a risk perspective, do you feel that your model, now talking at somebody who's, at retirement age, you've got $100,000 in cash. You, based on what we've learned today, you would invest that into rental properties, whether that be as a series of down payments or, or whatever, versus going out and trying to flip a house in today's market. Any, what is it, I guess, from a, from a risk perspective, would you agree that it is far less risky to spread that money out over several properties in a buy and hold scenario versus trying to well, hit that, that flip, you know, timing that flip right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. When I first started in real estate, I was like looking at all of the, the, the options out there. And I'm one of the worst guys when it comes to the shiny object syndrome, you know, it's squirrel, squirrel, oh, squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, 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 you look at my bookshelf right now, I'm looking at this bookshelf and it's got notebook after notebook. I've got wholesaling, I've got uh, flipping, I've got uh, deeds and notes, liens, I've got all these books, you know, I was just buying them going, this is great, I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this too, and I'll, you know, and I was going to flip from Port-au-Prince, Haiti, okay, this is really nuts, I, I was thinking, okay, I can do that, I can get some guys on the ground, I hear people have these remote flipping things, but you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, and when I really dissected it, I go, that's like a full-time job. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Even if I lived in the States, why do I want a full-time job? I mean, I've, I've had, you know, I've worked in corporate America for 20 plus years. You know, I've had my own businesses. I, you know, I, I was, you know, in mission field for, you know, nearly 20 years. I mean, okay, enough is enough. And uh, I, you know, I just want to sit back and be able to not just be a couch potato, but to be able to do the things I really love doing. And, uh, you know, if it's hopping on a plane and, and going to Haiti and checking on the kids in our orphanage, or if it's, if it's going and visiting my grandkids, uh, uh, going to one of my grandkids graduations or whatever it may be, I, you know, I, I want to be able to do more of that stuff. And, uh, I don't want another full-time job. So flipping that, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, some of those more labor intensive things, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I I love the buy and hold model. I love buying out of state. I'm in Southern California. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I can I couldn't even afford to buy stuff here anyway. And the margin's so small, it doesn't make sense for me to buy here. Right. I can buy in other places across America where you can get amazing returns. And 
Uh, and I kind of like not having it right down the street because if it was down the street, I'd probably be over there every day uh, checking on the property and seeing how it's going. You know, here I've got property managers that are overseeing everything and I talk to them once a week, if that, and it's so much nicer. It's so much nicer. It's e easier to manage and easier to live when you've got that kind of a scenario. Absolutely, because you're not handling the problems. You've got other people in place handling those problems, which is the, the great American way, in my opinion. At least that's the way it should be. You got it. Any, any feedback on what markets you are investing in? Um, yeah, well, I'm currently in Atlanta, Memphis, and Indianapolis. Okay. Um, I have uh, the, so some of those markets have gone a little bit either stale or they're so high priced that, and the cap rates are so suppressed that it doesn't make sense to, it's just real competitive. You can still buy things there, but it's just harder. Right. So I am looking at other areas like Florida, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky. Um, you know, there's, uh, there are still parts of Texas that are still desirable. Um, so we are looking in, in, in other markets that, uh, have the right numbers as far as, uh, you know, emerging markets are concerned. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still looking around. I, 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 I wouldn't buy in Memphis, but there's other parts of uh, Tennessee that are a little bit more desirable. Um, so, uh, now Memphis is great. I, I'm, I'm there. Um, it, it's just, it's a tricky market. Uh, for me, it is. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's not neighborhood to neighborhood, it's street to street. <laughs> so you can be on one street that's just booming. And then the next street, you know, it could be a war zone. It's just, it, it's, there's such, there's such dr dramatic changes in the markets there. So I, uh, I, I, I'm kind of looking at other areas that I, I like a little bit better uh, in the other part of the state. But, uh, uh, but you know, there, you, you find that out as kind of as you go along, I, you know, I, the properties they have are cash flowing. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Um, but, I also think that uh, it's smart to always be looking in, in good markets. It does take a, a little bit to put the right team together in a market. So there's some effort there, but if it looks like it's got a good cycle ahead, you know, whether it's three, five, 10 years, uh, it's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's good advice. Now, you know, I, boy, I've got some seminars in Memphis early on. I can tell you <laughs> being a guy that invested in South Memphis. Oh, he may. <laughs> <laughs> Well, can yeah. I tell you some stories? And you are absolutely right when you say by the street. Literally, ladies and gentlemen, one street, they could be having a ticker tape parade. The next street will be on fire with gunfire. <laughs> you got it. You've got to wear body armor going exactly. in. Exactly. And no flinches. Right. It's like my property managers are literally hosing blood off the sidewalks. And I'm going, wow, what happened there? Is that in our building? No, no, that's, that's one, one block over. You're fine. No, I know bullets. They go, they travel farther than that. <laughs> What's going on? That's yeah, just no, every day. It, it is. It's like that. And it's, it's, and it also, it, it's, it's an anomaly in a lot of ways. Like one of the things my, one of my property managers talked me into going to section eight. He said, you're going to get good, solid people. These are people that have to wait three to five years on a waiting list to get this designation. So these people take care of their property. They do what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know, they're going to be great tenants. Uh, and then you've got that government stream of money that's just coming in like clockwork on a monthly basis. 
So he sold me and I got it. But you know what? <laughs> Memphis is an anomaly because it's got the only people on Section 8 that could really care less if they lose it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I've had people just totally trash a unit, you know, on one end, you know, I'm going, ah, no, you're kidding. They're not supposed to do that because they're going to get, a, you know, they're going to get a bad report and they're going to lose their Section 8 status. And, and apparently, you know, the government isn't dishing them out as, as readily as they were before. So, so it surprises the heck out of me that I would get the only tenants that would have that issue. But uh, nonetheless, you know, there's still plenty of others that can fill that spot. But it, it's, uh, yeah, there, there are some unique things in Memphis that uh, make it uh, a, uh, an exciting learning experience. One of my favorite ones, I got to tell the story because it makes me giggle and I know you get a kick out of this. You'll relate with us coming from Memphis. <laughs> the property manager tells me, you don't want to provide a stove or air conditioning to these folks because they'll, they'll sell it. They'll steal it in a heartbeat. It'll be gone within hours. And that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, that's illogical. If I put an air conditioner in somebody's house that didn't have one before, they would enjoy having air conditioning. So like an idiot, I went out and bought air conditioners on one of my smaller buildings, the little 10 unit buildings. I bought 10, 10 air conditioners, right? And I put them in the hole. And guess what happened? Within you didn't week, have 10 air conditioners anymore. <laughs> Bill, it didn't even take a week and they were all gone. So I had to know what happened. I mean, did somebody come by and yank them out of the window? Oh no, we sold them. What do you mean you sold them? Well, they're worth like $60. I paid $375 for these things to get you cold air. Uh, we're used to not having air conditioning. We don't need air conditioning. You're the one that decided we needed air conditioning. We sold them for money. It's like, you gotta be kidding me with a straight face. They're telling me this. Oh man. So I just donated to the stolen AC population. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I listen to my property managers. I make zero decisions in Memphis anymore. Pretty much. I don't make the big ones. The little decisions are all left up to the property managers. They know what they're doing. Listen to your property managers, right? Yeah, that that is the truth. That you know, I mean, they're, they're good property managers and not so good property managers, but uh, uh, yeah, with the, when you've, got a good guy that you know knows what he's talking about i mean the, the guy i have you know grew up in the same neighborhoods that our properties are located in so he he knows them real well and uh he's managed to keep them filled and so you know we've just had some some tough turnover uh, issues but uh i do listen to him and, and and i know he knows a heck of a lot more than i do um so uh even go. though I, I may disagree uh on some of those decisions in the long run uh he he does make the right ones that's for sure. Last, the last question I have for you, I want to touch on, you had mentioned that you started with turnkey, but then kind of shied away from turnkey moving forward. What, what was it that may help you make that decision? What was the reasoning? Well, I'm sure there's, there's great turnkey folks out there. So I, you know, I don't want to just put this big, uh, uh, you know, statement over every turnkey, but you know, I've dealt with a lot of them and I've also had a lot of folks that uh, listen to the show that have also dealt with uh, a lot of uh, property managers and uh, and the real good guys uh, and gals are it's a very small group it's a very uh, very small group and 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 it's not so much that they're they're shysters or anything the problem is is that the the business model there's a just a real thin line there there's a real thin margin where they're making profit um, it's just you know ten percent of whatever you know that that property yields isn't a lot of money. And when you think of what you need to really manage a property well, you need hands-on. You need a lot of 
in their face. Now, if you don't have an, an on-site manager, um, you are going to need somebody over there a lot and checking on things and doing things. And well, you know, when they've got, they have to get a lot of properties for them to make money to, to, to be able to manage them effectively. Uh, they, they're just running around a lot. And so they're, they're spread very thin because they can't hire the people because they don't have the margins to hire. So it's, it's just a real tough model to make and, and very few uh, can't. And it's the only guys that I know that do real well are those that are, have got the high price bill that, you know, the, that rents that are, that are 1500 to $3,000 a month you know, then they can afford to, to, to get a lot more hands on. Right. But for the, you know, the, the C properties that I have in Memphis, for example, it's, it's a real, it's, it's real tough because we can't uh, charge that for rent. And so uh, the, you know, and so that's, that's part of the problem. And the, and the model is, you know, with turnkey is, they really make their money on the sale of the property. I mean, that's really where they make their money. Right. If they're doing property management, most of them get out of it shortly thereafter, and they'll just find somebody else to do that headache. And so you buy it, you get the property, and first you're, you're already probably at market price for that property in the first place. You, you don't have a built-in equity, which is all my properties now I buy with built-in equity. Um, you know, it's, it's smart as an investor an inflation hedge. It's good for a lot of reasons, but uh, you know, you, you got to wait some time before you're going to build up some appreciation in that property. So you've, you've got that issue and their, their interest is they want cash buyers too. You notice that a lot of turnkey people don't want you to finance it. They, they don't want to have to go through that. They just want the cash up front, boom, unload it, hand you off to a property manager and, and they're done with you. So that's the problem is you, sometimes the property managers they hand you off to are not such great folks. And, and I had, for example, one, one company I dealt with, a turnkey company, they, uh, they had squatters in, literally in the, the, the building that I bought to say they had tenants uh, already on the rolls. And shortly after I bought that building, they all split. And I'm going, wait a minute, what, what happened here? Yeah, I thought I had tenants. <laughs> and, uh, no, it was just, I mean, there, there, I, I had every kind of bad experience you could have uh, on that side. I, I had some where um, they were um, helping me with rehabbing the unit. And, uh, the, you know, I would say, well, you know, this seems kind of high, this quote for, for repairs. And they would say, well, you know, this is our contractor. We have a great relationship with them. Um, we don't want to bid it out to you know, two other folks because uh, we don't want to insult them. And I'm going, well, <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, so I'm trying to make, you know, so they're, they'll pick their contractors uh, at a higher level than their clientele. And so, I mean, I've, I've, I've had all kinds of experiences and, um, and, the, and the, I'm sure that, I mean, the idea of the, the turnkey is, it's a beautiful idea. And I think that there are going to be those, and there are those that uh, have mastered it, but, uh, they're hard to find. And I've had to let a lot of folks go. And, and I, I think I'm pretty tolerant for the most part, but uh, uh, it has, uh, that part has been the, the, the biggest challenge, especially managing uh, from, from a distance. That's for sure. That's absolutely for sure. Bill, that was a ton of value. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out this week and uh, share some of your story with us and talk more about uh, what it's like investing at, at a later age, because it, it's a, it's something that I, people need to hear. And I'm glad that you pointed out that even though you're 
nearing retirement age or you're at retirement age, that buy and hold is still your thing. So I appreciate you touching on that because uh, I think that's important that people take away that from there as well. And then what's the best way for people to reach out to you? They've got questions. Well, they want to join your network. Yeah, well, uh, you know, our website is is where we have uh, we have articles that come out every week. Uh, we have our podcasts uh, on the website as well. I mean, we are on iTunes and and iHeartRadio and all those other places too, um, Stitcher. Uh, but uh, you know, you can go to the website to to get everything and to be able to contact me. I'd love to talk to you if you have some questions. Um, that's that's what I do. And I, I talk to folks all the time via email or phone, or if they're in the California area, I'll meet with them. But the uh, website is uh, Old Dogs, uh, R-E-I Network, and dogs is spelled D-A-W-G-S. So it's olddogsreinetwork.com. And uh, there you'll, you'll be able to reach us and uh, find out. Uh, there's a lot of free, great stuff on the site, too, that you can just t- take back with you. Outstanding. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put the, all the social media information, his website link, all that in the show notes. So whatever podcast player you're on, uh, look down. You can see the show notes. If your podcast player does not allow for show notes, then just go to my website, cashflowguys.com forward slash podcast, and then look at the show notes there on the website. And that will give you all the information. The links will be hyperlinked in the whole nine yards to go directly over to Bill's information. Bill, thank you so much, man. I got a ton of value out of this. I know my audience did too. So thanks a lot for coming out and I appreciate it. That was a blast, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks, we're going to wrap right there this week's episode of the Cashflow Guys podcast. And just as a reminder, if you've not joined our Facebook group, you can do that by going to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. And if you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, I know some of you have been because lately I've been getting the email saying so-and-so subscribed and -and so-and-so subscribed. That's great. I appreciate it. Tell your friends you want to learn to earn. Take your real estate investing to the next level. There's a ton of free educational information on there that will help you learn more about taking action towards getting financially free. You can do that by going to cashflowguys.tv. So instead of .com, it's .tv as in television. Cashflowguys.tv takes you directly over to my YouTube channel gives you the opportunity to subscribe and uh, that'll wrap it for this week. And we will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.